Hello, everybody, and thank you for downloading episode 38 of We Got This with Mark and Hal. Hey, guess what, everybody? We got merch. If you go to maxfunstore.com right now, you can purchase for the holiday season for your best friend or relative, because you have a best relative, let's face it, the We Got This Throwdown poster with original artwork by Len Peralta, a good friend of ours. So head over there right now and get your exclusive We Got This Throwdown poster. Also, Hal Lublin, that's me. I'm going to be appearing live at Largo at the Cornet as part of Spontanea Nation Live. Go to paulftompkins.com forward slash live for all the details. Remember, Tompkins has no H. Finally, I want to urge you to check out our producer site, kenplume.com, P-L-U-M-E. He has his own great podcast called A Bit of a Chat with Ken Plume. He's had some of the guests that we've had on our show and some people who we may have on our show in the future including Ken himself. So check out what he's doing there, KenPlume.com. Can't recommend it highly enough. But now, without any further ado, here's episode 38 of We Got This with Mark and Hal. Hello, I'm Hal Lublin. And I'm Mark Gagliardi. Since the dawn of humanity, one issue has gone unsettled. With the fate of the world in the balance, we're here to settle once and for all. Best comic strip. That's right. Don't worry, everyone. We got this. Podcast should have a theme song. Podcast should not have a theme song. Yes, they should. No, they shouldn't. They sound good. Yeah, but people are just going to skip past it. Hmm. You know what? You're right. We got this. Hello, everybody. Hi, world. Thanks for listening. <laughs> I was so enthusiastic. My voice sort of broke when I did that. You just sounded... I didn't mean for it to. You sounded like the intro to like the Country Bear Jamboree. You're like, hey! Well, howdy, folks! <laughs> Welcome to the Country Bear Jamboree! Woohoo! Big Al. <laughs> I went on that ride for the first time in a long time uh, in December. I Because my mother hated that ride. So when I was a kid, we would never go to the Country Bear Jamboree because, like, everyone in my family hated it but me. Okay. Because they're like, we don't want to just sit and listen to – uh, it, we don't want to just sit and listen to bears play country music. We want to go ride stuff. So I hadn't been on it in forever. And finally, when Juliana and I went in December, I, it's so good. It is a really enjoyable show. Yeah. Who doesn't love the Country Bears? Come on. And they, they, they do a Country Bear Christmas every December. <laughs> And it's so good. But we're not here to talk about the Country Bear Jamboree, Hal. We're not. We're here because another Reddit user has a topic for us. It's Lemon Dropcake on the Maximum Fun subreddit. Uh, I feel like the Maximum Fun subreddit is kind of winning right now <laughs> on the lists of uh, things we should discuss. Just saying. We also, I mean, we have a list of like a hundred to go through. Some of which, uh, will, will probably flush out at once, but like keep the great suggestions coming. So we're still getting them on Facebook and Twitter and email, but like the Reddit just exploded with all these suggestions. Although some people get on and suggest things that we've already done, which, which is good because it means more than one person cares about those topics. Sure. And it means that they've got episodes to listen to. So please enjoy those episodes that we've already covered the topics. Yeah. And catch up already. Today's topic. I'd like everyone to kick back, grab a cup of coffee, enjoy your morning, get a newspaper, sit in your favorite, 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 favorite cum slippers, because today we're going to talk about comic strips. Specifically, uh. what is the best comic strip? Okay, let's talk briefly about the history of the comic strip. Uh, the comic strip... They date back as far as, uh, in North America, the late 19th century. Okay. Uh, so right before the turn of the century, uh, they really began in, uh, in Switzerland, uh, a caricature artist named Rudolf Topfer. Uh, he used to create these comic strips, uh, that were first published in the U.S. in 1842. And people got interested in them. And, uh, German immigrants would come in and German, German immigrants, uh, were the most interested in comic strips of the immigrant populations. And one immigrant, a guy by the name of Rudolf Dirks, created the Katzenjammer Kids in 1897. Ah, yes. Now the Katzenjammer Kids is a comic strip that is still being produced today. So it is, Definitely the longest running comic strip in American history. So, uh, 
and with the Katzenjammer kids becoming as popular as they did, Hearst and Pulitzer, who were the two biggest newspaper publishers in the United States, uh, each fought to get Dirks on their paper. And in so doing, spawned a war of comic strips. Uh, many of these strips are still around today. Little Orphan Annie uh, began in 1924, ended in 19, in 2010. Uh, Blondie began in 1930 and is still around today. Yes. Pogo began in 1948. So the, all of these big comic strips started to gain popularity around this time. Okay. And, you know, the rest is history. They've boomed since then, and there are dozens and dozens of them. I think today, though, we should limit our comic strip conversation to comic strips that are published in newspapers, major newspapers. Sure, sure. Because there's a million great web comics. Comics. Red Meat is an amazing comic comic from um, the reader in Chicago that I'm sure is in a bunch of other papers and like alt papers have really cool uh, comic strips in them. But we're going to talk about the major yeah. ones that you recognize from L- childhood. While we're talking about the web, there's also Dork Tower by John Kovalik, who's a good friend of, of ours. Um, hi, John. I know you listen. Hi, John. So, yes, we're going to stick to the newspapers. Now, like, I, I, I feel like longevity is important. But what do you mm-hmm. consider to be the best? What What are you looking for in a best comic strip? I'm looking for characters that I love, characters with point of view. Um, I'm looking for an interesting take on some aspect of the world. It doesn't have to be – they're not all going to be Doonesbury and political cartoons. I, I love the far side and the absurdity. Uh, but I want my comic strip to – have a point of view for each of the characters. And I want to know which character would have said, if, if you gave me a line of dialogue from a character, I want to know whose mouth it came out of. Right. I think that's a good criteria. You want to have like a sense like, oh, that sounds like a, a line by X character. Yeah, I agree. Right. Now, do you read a ton of comic strips? As a kid, every day I would read the comic strip page. Okay. I was, uh, I was, that was, that was me reading my morning paper. I was a grown up gentleman. I would read the paper in the morning, but of course <laughs> I would have, you know, a coffee mug with chocolate milk in it and be only reading the comics page. Did you also play? I, I did the same thing. Did you also do like the word jumbles and stuff and the word ladders? No, I was terrible at those. I love, now I love doing the crossword puzzle, but I could never <laughs> do like, we've talked about this before. You can zip through like a, uh, a Sudoku in about 10 minutes or less. Because you've, sure. you've got this, you know, cause you're on this, uh, spectrum. Um, but, <laughs> but I, uh, I could never do those. So I would read the funnies and, uh, and I love the funny papers. Like who doesn't love the funny papers? It's the funny papers, right? You got to say it like that. Like you're from Brooklyn, uh, in, you know, radio days. Yeah, of course. The, the funny papers. Yeah. Um, so we're, I'll tell you this. I've, I've got my personal favorites. I'm sure you have your personal favorites and each newspaper has a few different ones, but I came across, I, in searching this topic, I found they we're not the first to tackle this. Of course. And I found lots of lists and it's funny because a lot of the lists, most of the lists have the same ones at the top. I, I could probably guess what's at the top of most lists, but I do want to say, like, this, this for me is like the television theme song episode we did with Furman, where I immediately have, like, I think of one, I'm like, oh, that's the best comic strip of all time. Then were I, you a big, you were a big comic strip kid as well? Absolutely. Comic strips. Oh, and then later on, when some of the, like, far side, not only did I read the comic strip, but I had all the treasuries. Uh, I had a ton of Garfield treasuries. Sure. You, we talked about these before, the long Garfield books. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I had I had all that stuff. Um, also, Bloom County, which I got into a little bit later on. Bloom County, I've still never been able to figure out. Is that a platypus? Is it a penguin? What's going on? Opus is a penguin. Opus is a penguin. All right. Opus is a penguin. And Bill, Bill the Cat ran for president in 1988 and lost to George Bush, just like Michael Dukakis. Might have gotten more of the vote than Dukakis did. But <laughs> there's just so many great, uh, just icon- I mean, peanuts. It's hard. How do you top peanuts? And then there's Family yeah. Circus has a charm to it. There, so what does? Different uh, Family Circus has a real. Oh, no, Family Circus. Yeah, Billy uh, following the dots of where Billy's been through the house is. Uh, those were one of my favorite treats. I had a book yeah. called When's Later, Daddy, which was a <laughs> uh, a compilation or a collection of. Of, uh, family circle 
Family yeah. Circus. Family Circle is the women's magazine. <laughs> but you also had a collection of Family Circle, but that's because you like cooking. <laughs> I do, but that's horribly sexist for me to call it a women's magazine. When it's a family magazine, it's in the title. Um, so <laughs> let me ask you this. Were you, uh, were you a fan of the Sunday comics? Or was that, uh, or you like, were you, you like your short form daily strips? Do you like them better in the big, like, eight panel where they could go on a diatribe about something? Yeah, I, I like the comics to have a little bit more breathing room. I see, I immediately thought of like, oh, the Sunday comic strip, N- not even remembering, oh, of course, there are black and white strips all the time. And there were still like, Peanuts got a couple of panels, was always at the top. Garfield mm-hmm. always got a couple of panels. Like, you'd see them sort of shuffle based on what was popular. I can tell you two right now that I would take out of the running because we're going to oh. have to do this. Um, and that is the Lockhorns and Andy Cap, just because they're both like the basic idea of it is marriage sure is terrible, huh? There's a lot of those. We can, el- if we can eliminate all of the marriage sure is terrible ones, I'm not against that. And not to say they're not beautifully drawn. No. And have compelling characters, but of course. Andy Cap, I don't even know what was the first one, the Foxworthies? Uh it's the Lockhorns. The Lockhorns were Stanley and Iris. They were a married couple that were uh-huh. probably in their fifties, I think we're meant to to think. They're in their late forties, maybe early fifties. And they hate each other. They are the couple that will get into an <laughs> argument oh. while you're in the room with them and you're just like looking for a window to jump out of to get away from it. And it's like it's essentially like, Stanley, you're a real dirtbag. Oh, yeah. Well, you you dried up years ago, Iris. I hate you. Wait a minute. You're reading a I comic strip. Stab your face. You dried up. It's basically that's the idea of it. <laughs> of course, they use more flowery language than that. But they hate it. Like you just read it. Go Like, could you guys get a divorce at a certain point? What like what sort of codependent hell have you two found yourselves in where you can't just break up? You don't have kids. Yeah. As far as I remember, like Um, what's going on there? Like crotchety angry people are a whole genre of uh, of comic strip. Do do you know Born Loser? Uh, Uh, I'm slightly familiar. I didn't really grow up with that one. Born Loser was one I grew up with. It was basically that it was just. A wife nagging and then an old man saying, why don't you just die? Was every, was every <laughs> strip. Um, and then there was crankshaft. Did you ever read crankshaft? Uh, just a little bit. Just about a mean old man who hated everybody. That was the whole premise of it. He was a mean old man who hated everybody. It was like if Mr. Scrooge didn't get visited by the ghosts. That's crankshaft. Do you think that people who draw comic strips just hate the elderly? I guess. I, I just want to say about Andy Cap before we move on. Like, <laughs> I feel so bad for that guy because his whole life is I, I can barely stand my marriage. I made a mistake early in life. I didn't, I married for the wrong reasons. I've wasted both of our lives. So I'm going to get drunk. Then I'm going to fall asleep on the couch. And the second that hag walks in the room and says, word one, it's over. I just wish I had kept the last bottle of beer that I drank so I could smash it over her head and then stab myself with what's left. That's like the most depressed. Like, if you want a good British comic, what about Fred Bassett? Do you remember Fred Bassett? No. It was. Wait, is Andy Cap British? Andy Cap was British. Oh. I never knew that. All I really know about Andy Cap is his hot fries. Exactly. Yeah. He's up for those ridiculous, like, I, I <laughs> it's like the last thing you, you knew you were in the wrong side of the vending machine where you were getting Andy Cap hot fries. Oh, or yeah. Like, like that, those are the same machines that had like Lance crackers. <laughs> Wait, what? Lance was another like cracker company. And you're like, Oh, that's, uh, I never see those in stores. It's it's exclusively in vending machines. It's the only way they can move it is hoping you press the wrong combination of letters and numbers, <laughs> and then it spits it out at you, <laughs> like it be gr- just like out of like g- just pure grudge hatred gives you some handicap hot fries or some Lance <laughs> crackers or chips. If you if you uh, put if you accidentally do pick the wrong number, there's that like two seconds of hell when you see the wrong thing start spinning before it <laughs> falls into the bottom. Exactly. There's that like no, that's like like you can make it stop and go no 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 no. And but because once it drops, you're done. You're having Andy Cap's hot fries. 
Yeah, exactly. That's your life now. But Fr- Fred, Fred Bassett is, um, he's a Bassett hound and you get to hear the things that are going on in his head. Like mm-hmm. he, he has little thought bubbles, but it's like really nothing more than like, boy, I sure I'm happy being a dog. It sure is like the person who draws it clearly is one of those people that is like, my dog did the most hilarious thing today. Oh, uh, <laughs> she got up on the couch. Oh, it was great. Like, oh, can we, story. based on that, can we eliminate Marmaduke as well? Well, Marmaduke, I, we can eliminate Marmaduke, but the whole thing of Marmaduke is like, boy, this, this dog sure is big. It's the same. It's the grape ape thing of like, yeah. oh, you're too big to do that. Yeah. Grape ape. You can't fit in that hot air balloon. Grape ape, grape ape. So yeah, we can eliminate that thing of like, aren't animals cute? They're just being animals because those are, I mean, there's so many better and so many funnier comic strips than that, than that. But if you eliminate the, my life as a dog is hard, my life as an animal is hard, you're eliminating a lot of good ones. You are arguably getting rid of Garfield early in the game. Well, Garfield is different. Garfield is not like, Cats sure are funny. Garfield is a straight up character who is yes. maybe the embodiment of what some people might think of cats. And clearly Jim Davis is either a cat person or a cat hater to the nth degree. But like he's, he's a great character. He's got a rich world around him and he's led to one of the funniest things. You, you've, you, are, are you familiar with, uh, Garfield? Without Garfield? Minus Garfield, yes. Yeah, Garfield minus Garfield. If if anybody out there listening is not familiar, go to Tumblr and look up Garfield minus Garfield. And it's just John talking to himself. And then, like, three frames of nothing. <laughs> and it's hilarious. Like, you really see, like, oh, this is... You realize, you see the existential crisis that is John Arbuckle's life. Yeah, Garfield is Fight Club with cats. <laughs> Oh my god. Alright, good. So we can keep Garfield still in the running. But all the other animal ones, you're gone. Yeah, for the for the most part they're they're gone. I mean like Bloom County has a bunch of animals in it, but I wouldn't eliminate that. And Peanuts has a dog as right. its main character. But we we're not eliminating those yet. Right. I mean there's a lot of them. And Pearls Before Swine is a great comic strip. Okay. Yep. Um but I don't know that it is I don't know that it is in the same echelon as some of the other ones. So we can give it an honorable mention and sweep it to the side. Absolutely. Now, wh- where do you sit on Blondie? Blondie is one of the originals. Uh, and I have in the past put an olive through a toothpick on top of a sandwich just to make myself an official Dagwood. Uh, <laughs> like an, a, a Dagwood. The, the best thing to come out of Blondie is the concept of the two foot tall sandwich. Yes. That seems to be Dagwood's only goal in life is to just eat a two foot tall and not two foot long, like a sub, like, or a hoagie, a two foot tall sandwich. <laughs> You're so sweet. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, Blondie, Blondie to me, it never really did anything for me. I guess I couldn't, I just couldn't relate to it because it was like young married couple and she's real nice and he's frenzied at work and wants a sandwich. I think it harkens back to a time that doesn't real you know it's it's it was a more it was more relevant when it came out to right. to it had more cultural relevance then than it does now. But uh I, I mean it's hard to immediately discount it just because it's so classic. It's another one where he's he's constantly asleep on the couch but he's just napping. Like he has no, yeah. he has no energy, probably because all he does is load up on carbs <laughs> and processed meats. He hates his job. Like it's really kind of sad. <laughs> yes. And, and also like Doonesbury is another one that Mary Worth was like the saddest thing. And Dr. Kildare, like there are a lot of really depressing, um, comic strips also. Doonesbury wasn't necessarily trying to make you laugh. No. Uh, it was trying to make you laugh. It wasn't, it wasn't trying to make you go, Oh, I love these characters. It was more of a thinking man's comic strip. I like Doonesbury. I, I, I don't hate Doonesbury, but I do think Doonesbury is the guy at a party who just backs you into a corner and wants to talk about politics. <laughs> yeah. It does feel a little like homework. It's like, Oh, okay. Doonesbury. I get it. Yeah, like <laughs> you're, you're mad. You're mad at the establishment. Yeah. We get it. Gerald Ford wasn't a great president. Thanks for hammering that home. It is funny to look at a Doonesbury anthology, though, because you are seeing the world uh, and the actual geopolitical 
machinations of the world through Gary Trudeau's eyes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I would throw it out like a hot potato. Yeah. For that, for that very, for that very reason, like the comics are, I think the good comic strips are an escape as much as they have a point of mm-hmm. view. As much as they're satirizing things that are going on, it's like, it's, it should be the lighter side of, of things and not, not he- like a heavy think piece. That, that's just my personal thing. I would say, uh, Doonesbury is an excellent comic strip and I don't want to not give it its due, but I don't remember which city I lived in that, uh, it was either LA, New York or Knoxville, uh, that put Doonesbury not on the comic strip page. But on the editorial page. Well, that makes sense. And I thought that was a smart move because it is more of a political cartoon. So we will give it its hallowed ground just on the editorial page. Yes, it is out of the comic strip pantheon and lives forever in the editorial page where it will rule for eternity. Yes, it will. Um, so we've eliminated a lot of comic strips and there's other peripheral ones that people love. I loved uh, I, that I don't know are, are as ubiquitous as some of these other giant iconic ones, but I loved Hagar the Horrible. I loved Foxtrot. Uh, sure. I loved, uh, The Wizard of Id. Did you ever have The Wizard of Id? Yes, of course. Uh, and, and what was the and one about the French Foreign Legion? I do not know. I thought you were going to go to BC, which is the Caveman comic strip. Sure. Another great one. But uh, these don't have the lasting effect as some of the iconic ones that I saw popping up in every one of these lists in the top five. So hold on. I, Hagar the Horrible is another character that seems to have a really bad marriage. Yeah. And he's always getting shot at with arrows. Yeah. Like he could, he could do something different with his life. He has a choice also to walk a Viking for sure. He could just chop off the head of anybody he doesn't like. <laughs> I like that they keep him fairly nonviolent though. Yes. Of, oh no. You do not want to see like. You don't want to see Hagar the Horrible mashed up with the show Vikings that's on the History right. Channel. Or maybe you do. Oh, when they do that Hagar episode? <laughs> nobody else do that idea because we should shoot that, Hal. Come on. Let's make a movie. We're going to make a whole movie of it. I'm ready. Do you remember uh, when we were at Second City, we did – Of course I remember. This was my idea. Of course I remember. Oh, that's right. This was your idea. We did Hagar the mm-hmm. Horrible. As like a stage reading. And I, I got to yeah. do it in Second City. You did it later on as part of a different show. Yep. We did dramatic readings of Hagar the Horrible as if performed by the Royal Shakespeare Company. Yes. That was a lot of fun. I think people really enjoyed that. And they were honest to goodness transcripts that you had found of, mm-hmm. of Hagar the Horrible strips, right? Yeah. I did. I read a lot of Hagar the Horrible. Like I would go back months just to find issues that were like a one-two punch. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because they needed to be quick and they needed to be funny and not rely on the visual joke. So it usually just ended up being that, um, what are they called? The crunkheads? Uh, the man who hates his wife. Your friends from the, the first comic strip? The Lockhorns? Lockhorns. <laughs> when you said the crankheads, I was like, is this a different, like a group of drug addicts who <laughs> hang out and are married to each other in a terrible marriage that nobody can oh, escape? Oh, yeah. But that is not a funny comic strip. That's that one is in uh, Time Out. W- would you also? <laughs> would you also in all those sort of uh, s- not second tier, but the, the the ones that we're all sort of ushering out together? Would you put Funky Winkerbean in that group? Sure. And Tank McNamara. I don't even know Hank McNamara or Tank Mac. What's it? Tank McNamara. He's like a. Uh, I think he's like a gym coach or something. But it's like this is the comic strip that it's okay for jocks to read because it's got sports references <laughs> in it. Sure. We had In the Bleachers was ours. In the okay. Bleachers was a great one. It was about far, it was far side size. Let me ask you this. Do you prefer uh a a linear strip or a one panel? Uh you know, it depends. It depends on on what the strip is. I mean, Family Circus was it was generally a single panel, mm-hmm. far side. Like they were they were just single jokes, so they were really good. And there's another strip that I'm forgetting the name of that it was in the vein of the far side, but not like not quite far side status that it's the same thing. Like here is a pun acted out or here's a single sort of punchline. Gotcha. Uh, so I have an appreciation for both. What about you? Uh, I, yeah, I, I, I feel the same way for me. It was, like I said, it was more about the impact that it had. If you could make that impact in the economy of one panel, then good for you. 
So I would also like to eliminate but give honorable mention to some of the ones that don't fit into this category that are excellent but are not going to make the very top of this list. I think we know the top three. But I would like to eliminate Beetle Bailey, but I love Beetle Bailey. I love Sarge. I love that they were always trying to pull one over on Sarge. And I love that the way Sarge was drawn with that butt chin and the one tooth. He had like the one snaggle tooth that looks like a really cute dog from Instagram. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, it's, that also is a very clearly like, that was a peacetime comic. Yes. Because it was like, the army's just, they're just people funning around. Yeah, just a bunch like, of wackies. It doesn't quite fit in the modern world. It's a, it's a romantic look at what, at what it would have been like in like the Phil, Phil Silver's like Sergeant Bilko. Right. Uh, era. They never, and they never had them transferred, did they, to the, uh, to the Iraq sand, uh, camouflage? They always had them in the green? No. Always in the green, always yeah. in the classic. And he was always either in the kitchen or, or he was in like a hammock. He found a lot of Beetle Bailey. I guess the, the the one thing you can learn from Beetle Bailey is that there are tons of places on an army base to hide and nap. <laughs> yeah, you can put a hammock anywhere. Like, yeah, was, I'm glad he wasn't a paratrooper because at one point you know he was going to open up his parachute and he would have accidentally jammed a hammock into there. Exactly. I feel like I feel like after he got out of service, he went and worked at an IKEA and just slept on the bedroom floor. <laughs> uh, all right, so. Are there any more we need to eliminate before we get to the top three? Just one, uh, I, one more that I can think of is uh, High and Lois. Oh, I never got into High and Lois. It's, it's another like, but that one was another like mild like, oh, getting married and having kids. It sure is crazy, but we somehow get along. Like it's 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 not a laugh out loud. It's just sort of an awe. Mm-hmm. And, and at a certain point, you do sometimes with comic strips like that, you do sort of get invested in the characters a little bit, and you want to. I wonder what's going to happen. Cause that was one where the, if I'm remembering right, the kids actually aged and like went to college and stuff. Oh, like, uh, for better or for worse was one of those two where the kids, I, th- I, I respect that when they'll actually have the kids grow up. That might be the one I'm thinking of is for better or for worse, where, which at this point, I'm sure the original couple has been dead for like 10 <laughs> right. years. Right. Or Sally Forth. I don't know. They're all kind of that like aging mm-hmm. family one. There were a bunch of those. Yeah. One more that I want to give lip service to is Dick Tracy. It's sure. A classic Sunday comic that, uh, you know, there's something to it. It's, it's never really changed or it never had changed. It sort of stayed the same. It was, it was great. Uh, but it's not a top comic strip. No. I can talk into my Apple Watch. So basically I am Dick Tracy now. <laughs> you do have Dick Tracy's watch. I do. The Apple Watch. Yeah. Uh, Dick Tracy is out of date just because of the Apple Watch. It's like, oh, you can communicate into your watch? Great. I can watch television on mine, make a dinner reservation, and monitor my heart. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> can I – Can I? Uh, about Dick Tracy, though, I'm not huge on the serialized ones. Okay. On serialized comic strips. Dick Tracy had the action and amazing characters. I was more introduced to it through the Warren Beatty movie, um, not so much through the comic strip. And you can take your apartment 3G – and your Rex Morgan MD and throw them in the trash because Whoa. even though I read, even though I read the comics every day growing up, they were not funny. I didn't understand them. I was, and I was angry at them. I would, I would like, Oh, why are you taking up space in this newspaper? They could have a funny comic strip in it. <laughs> they were soap. Those, those, those two are the soap operas. Are you familiar with those two? I am. I am familiar with those. I, I didn't care for them either for the same reason. I thought they were really boring mm-hmm. and I just like just was not – they're not accessible to everybody. I think that's – you want something that's a, maybe a little more accessible even at, at yeah. some level. And also I understand the idea of doing episodics, but if you're doing an episode of a soap opera that takes me three seconds to read – so I'm getting my daily episode of General Hospital is doing an hour a day and you're doing three seconds a day. No, you are lazy. You're a lazy soap opera writer. <laughs> well, OK, we're going to throw that garbage where where it belongs in a dumpster and then set it on fire. But <laughs> you you have like the, the creme de la creme. Will you reveal the creme de la creme of the comic strips right now? The three Greatest comic strips in contention for best comic strip of all time will be revealed right after these messages from some of the other fantastic shows you can check out on Maximum Fun. Oh, what a tease! 
Hi, everybody. I'm Justin McElroy. And I'm Dr. Sydney McElroy. Every Tuesday, we bring you Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine, a show about all the dumb, weird, terrible ways that we've tried to fix each other over the years. You know, some light summer listening. Maybe you want to hear about yogurt enemas or why we tried to eat mummies for a while or why drinking cholera diarrhea sounded like a good idea. That and so much more is waiting for you every Tuesday right here on the Maximum Fun Network with Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. Let's be honest. We live in a world with too much media. You need a podcast on the front lines figuring out what's great. We're here for you. We're Pop Rocket. I am Guy Branham. I'm a comedian. I'm Winter Mitchell. I call myself a digital strategist. <laughs> I'm Oliver Wang, academic and disc junkie. Margaret Wappler, je suis as journaliste. <laughs> and we watch, listen to, and read everything so that you don't have to. And then we tell you about all the things that you'll love to love. Find us in iTunes or wherever you download podcasts. Pop Rocket. Every Wednesday from Maximum Fun. And we're back. Yay, we did it. <laughs> okay, Hal, are you ready to guess what I have culled together to be the top three? Sure, but I, I know we're going to expand outside of these top three almost immediately. I, I'm going to, I won't go in any particular order. Let's see if I can guess them all. Okay. I'm going to say the far side is one of them. That is correct. I will say peanuts is one of them. That is correct. And I will say the third one is Calvin and Hobbes. That is correct. Okay. I think we need to put Garfield in there as well. Okay, we can put Garfield in, but I think he's going to get eliminated. I think any one of those three beats Garfield. I feel like we've... T- what about the Boondocks? Honorable mention. It's a newer comic. It came out, what, mid-90s? Yeah, but it's so smart. It's really hilarious. smart. And uh features features African-Americans, which is more than any of the other strips do, except when they're printed in black and white. That is the closest that you get in general <laughs> to having African American ca- like. Hey, Peanuts has Franklin. Peanuts had Franklin. Uh, Garfield, no African American characters I can remember from that. Uh, Family Circus. No, the whitest, the whitest. So white, so very, very white. All right, so we'll put we'll put Boondocks in there. I don't think the I mean, Boondocks can beat. It, I mean, I don't think that they can beat Peanuts. I don't think they I can beat either. Calvin and Hobbes or Farside. So our top five either, is solid. I think it's important <clears throat> to mention them because uh, Boondocks is an important comic book. It's a landmark comic book. Yes. Just for the fact that it that it addresses a group of people that are criminally underrepresented in, <laughs> in every every media. That's true. More uh, cavemen were represented in uh, syndicated comic strips than uh, than black people. That is so. True. I'm glad so, that got fixed, and it is a really hilarious um, comic. It is. It is. It's it basically. I feel like. Well. I feel like it's the new version of Calvin and Hobbes, in that it's about a little kid who waxes philosophical. And maybe that's the same. It's the same way with Peanuts. Maybe that's what what comic book readers are drawn to is mm-hmm. kids who are smarter than they should be at their age. Sure. Boondocks is that, Peanuts is that, Calvin and Hobbes is that. Yeah, it's interesting to use children to explore adult subjects. Uh, but it makes sense. And, and cerebral stuff. <laughs> it makes sense if you've got a short amount of time to simplify a – if you've got a short amount of time, you need to simplify a really elaborate, complex thought. So how would a kid distill it down into kid logic? Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. All right. Now I want to let's talk about these individually. Then, since we're on this topic, let's talk about uh, Calvin and Hobbes. Calvin, okay. six years old, um, walks around with his stuffed tiger named Hobbes, and the two of them go on adventures frequently in outer space and wax philosophical about the state of the universe and yeah. philosophical and very, very astute and funny and heartwarming and. The whole family is such a well-rounded group of people. It's not just the two of them. Uh, his mother and father are frequently involved in the strip, exasperated yes, by their child. And Susie, the little girl. Yes, Susie, the little girl. Um, that um, went on many of the adventures and was, uh, almost a mentee, I guess, of Calvin. Yes, would you say? Yeah, she was sort of the side that was maybe pulling at him to grow up a bit more or was the part that you know, it was the sort of the gross girl, but I love the fact that 
that Hobbs uh, is only a, a living tiger when he's alone with him or in his imagination that you get to see the stuffed Hobbs tiger. Like, yes. There's something, there's something about it. Uh, there was either a short story or a comic strip of like, uh, Calvin, like Hobbs coming alive one more time for old Calvin and, then he passes Hobbs along to his grandson. Oh. I don't remember exactly. Oh what God, it that would kill me like the end of Toy Story three. I was like blubbering, <laughs> just oh. tears and yeah, reading it. So there's something about Calvin and Hobbs that that connects with the child in all of us. Amen. Um, and that is the beauty of the comics page. That's what we want the comics page to do. The first thing that both of us mentioned is our, when we talked about the comics page was our childhood connection to it. Sure. Um, yeah, that, that's one, like you go through, you definitely go through a Calvin and Hobbes phase. Yeah. You have to read everything. And it's not, I don't say it as a phase in that it fades away and you forget about it, but you get to that age where you get really into Calvin and Hobbes Mm -hmm. and, and it sticks with you. I could go back and read, go back and grab any of my Calvin and Hobbes books that are in Philly and read them and enjoy them just as much as I did when I was younger. Yeah. Yeah. They really, they, they hold up because the themes are universal. Um, I will, I will say that, uh, one besmirching mark on, uh, the Calvin and Hobbes legacy is Calvin's tendency to either pray or piss on decals on the back of trucks. (laughs) <laughs> that is like a terrible thing those are the two things he does he prays and he pees on the back of a truck neither of which is appropriate for the back of a truck with calvin from calvin and Hobbes. just look at maslow's hierarchy of needs and those are two of the things on it <laughs> at the top uh, is self-actualization at the very very bottom even below base needs is desire to piss on the windshield of a ford f-150 exactly <laughs> yeah it's really like uh i, I don't know how that started and i kind of don't want to know i know we could probably go down this rabbit hole and i'm i'm always happy to fly off the rails with you but <laughs> This is one thing I want to know nothing about because I yeah. love Calvin and Hobbes so much. Like, I don't care what dummy decided to do that. I, it was I someone in the South because it. I grew up with them everywhere. Right. Well, then it just – so if we could talk about Garfield for a second before before he likely gets eliminated because I don't even think I could <laughs> – Speaking of characters that show up in Windows. Exactly. He was in every single car. He was yeah. there blocking people's blind spots. And getting people into accidents <laughs> by clinging onto your rear window like a real cat trying to murder yeah. you while you're driving. Um, uh, but Garfield's great. Very, very smart. Um, re- like really enjoy. There was never a, a strip that I read of Garfield's where I thought, no, oh, that wasn't so great. Like it's, it's always fun. He's got like a, just the world that they built around him is really great. And it's, it was fun to see it, uh, progress over time. If you read, all the digests, you get to see a collection of those strips. And it's really interesting how the artwork changed, but also like the, the humor kind of sharpened with time as well. And, uh, and the TV show was great. Garfield and friends. Yeah. Introduced us to us acres. Uh, that said, we can eliminate Garfield. Absolutely. With an honorable mention. Yes. Um, all right. So we're, uh, what's still at boondocks. Uh, I love you, Boondocks. I, I'm going to eliminate Boondocks as well. Okay. Uh, if if only for its age. Maybe after it's being written for 50 years and has reached this iconic status like some of these other guys have. Not that it isn't an iconic comic strip. It's excellent, but I think we can eliminate it. Uh, you know, and I, I, we, we haven't really eliminated it. And I think people, uh, myself included, would be uh, devastated if I didn't mention Bloom County again. Yes. But Bloom, Bloom County, if you go back and read it, the majority of it takes place, I think, from like 1982 or 83, I think, when it started through maybe the early 90s. And then, uh, um, they changed it to, I think, Outlands was the, was the comic that it, that it spun off into. But and it became, Bloom County, Opus became I, its own comic, right? That the, yeah, Opus, Opus kind of spun off into his own comic. Now Bloom County's come back on, on Facebook. And I, I don't know if it's in newspapers yet or not, but, 
it's very it was so contemporary it's a really great snapshot of what the 80s was and it's mm-hmm. still funny and and still enjoyable but it's it's a time capsule and just like Doonesbury is not a time capsule peanuts is not a time capsule Doonesbury right. is a time capsule they are timeless. so so um let's talk about the far side i you know what the far side for me I love the far side. Uh, for that, I mentioned it before, the brevity. And, uh, what was his name? Gary Larson was the guy that wrote far side. Yes. Just for, just for his ability to crack a one liner of that's half, half visual, half text. And the whole mm-hmm. thing makes you laugh. Uh, yes. his sense of the absurd. There were a few characters that came back around that, uh, that you would see several times, but, for the most part, it felt it felt almost like New Yorker cartoons, in that they're one, they're all one-off characters, or the majority of them are one-off characters. Well, you knew you had a good chance of seeing a woman in cat's eye glasses with a beehive, yeah, uh, a a fat kid with a with a buzz cut. <laughs> um, they were all they were all shaped people. the same. Yeah, cows what was the third one? like animals on two legs. <laughs> yes, uh, those are so. Those are a lot of the. The common things that they use, but still like great comic strip. So great. And, and, and a great uh, satire on like, whereas, uh, some of these other ones were their point of view was looking at the world through the eyes of a child. Uh, the far side seemed to take an outsider perspective and look on the world through the eyes of an alien. <laughs> That's a really good point. And you know I mean? all the. All the terrible marriages in the far side, of which there were plenty, mm-hmm. the, they they were only there for for one day, and then they were gone. Yeah, so and then you got a to totally new terrible marriage. Yeah, there are so many terrible marriages to explore. And that lady in the cat eye glasses was always saying something not entirely nice about another lady further back in the panel, having some sort of wacky thing happening to her. <laughs> there were a lot of squids too. More squids than you'll find in any other comic strip. Squid? Did you say squid like calamari? Yeah. Like, they were giant squids. They were grabbing people or swimming around. I'm telling you, if you look at the squid ratio of all of these comic strips, that that uh, Farside will come out ahead. Um, and I don't Farside know if that's also, bad. That's true. Far, that, not a, that's not a, a judgment call. Um no. Farside also did a great job of having calendars uh, and things and mugs and things that you could get one iconic strips. There were a handful of like iconic Farside strips that sure. uh, that wound up on T-shirts and mugs and calendars and posters. And you can get a 365 day paper Farside calendar and tear off a new one each day and see a new funny one. Do you remember um, two that come to mind uh, was – God watching a screen where a guy is walking under a piano dangling from a rope and God has a button on his keyboard that says smite. Do you remember this one? I do remember that one. The other one was uh, a school for the gifted and a kid, a little fat kid with a buzz cut, clearly pushing on a door that says pull. Yes, that's the Midvale School for the Gifted. Midvale School for the Gifted. So there were these iconic uh images that I think stand alone as individual works of art but i feel like the thing that's the far side has going against it is the lack of consistent characters that we care about yes i want one more iconic strip to me at least uh, mm-hmm. because it had my my name in it are two deer standing in the forest one of whom has a target birthmark on his chest and the other one is saying bummer of a birthmark hal so i had, a, I had a, <laughs> you just liked it because his name was hal exactly i have a t-shirt of that or i did when I was younger, but I Bummer of a birthmark. There's, no, there's no narrative to it. And also, I don't know that any of those, any of those panels could go more than one panel. Like the yeah. joke's already over. So he, I, I could not imagine how much pressure there is to every single day try and come up with several new jokes that work. And he was consistent and did mm-hmm. hilarious work for a very, very long time. But I, I, that would take it out still not better than Calvin and Hobbes. Uh, yeah, and I think that we've, we've come now to the final contender against Calvin and Hobbes. And boy, is this a tough one. The yeah. movie actually comes out tomorrow. Mm-hmm. That is how iconic these characters are. And this is not their first movie. There have been dozens and dozens of TV specials and, uh, films and 
uh, a Broadway musical and another Broadway or an off Broadway musical and a Broadway musical, two different shows. They've spawned, uh, so many amazing stories and I, God, the fact that I can't talk right now might put me over the edge on you talk about Calvin and Hobbes having these beloved characters. Peanuts. I can name 20 characters from Peanuts that just sink into your heart and you just, you know, every, every attribute that these kids have, you found in a kid that you knew growing up. Everyone fancied that their dog was actually the Red Baron. When you're a kid, adults do sound like a muted trumpet. You know what I mean? Like it <laughs> encapsulated things so beautifully. It's funny though that you take away the, uh, that one of the, your takeaways from it is that parents sound like a muted trumpet, which comes from the television specials and, right. and the movie as well, which as of this recording is about to come out. Um, but that's not something that's in the strips. No, the, it the world around wah, wah, wah. it, the world around peanuts has grown far beyond just peanuts. Uh, the comic yes. strip. I mean, they've yeah, got the characters, the characters live in Knott's Berry Farm in California. <laughs> you know, there, there's, there's something to be said for Calvin and Hobbes and Peanuts being the, the, the last two, because Calvin and Hobbes were always very active and especially when they're in space or they're, they're mm -hmm. playing Calvin ball, it's, they're like the, 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 my memory is that the frames are filled with action and things going on. And there's a stillness to Peanuts unless he's getting a, a baseball hit back at him and he's getting knocked over mm -hmm. or he's trying to kick a football. There is like a there is a stillness to it. And uh, so it's part of it is do you prefer that more frenetic feeling? Is that the side of yourself that you give into or do you like that still contemplative figuring out what it all means uh, uh, kind of uh, state of mind? Because those those are the two things that are sort of at war. But I, Peanuts also like I love the characters. Mm -hmm. I, I love Snoopy so much. I when I saw the the trailer for Peanuts in the theater the first time, and I and and it felt I actually teared up because I felt like oh they're they're actually treating it with respect. They're not trying to yeah change it. It feels like. I'm watching the Peanuts gang. I listened, uh, I, I listened to the trailer when I, when I saw it on television, specifically for the voices. And boy, they the simplicity of the voice actors that they got for that is, uh, it's going to be great. I'm really excited about this movie. Me too. Look, I love Calvin and Hobbes. Calvin's, his outlook on the world, I, I get and I understand. I feel like Calvin and Hobbes, uh, I could, understand and really delve into and think about and enjoy. But for me, Peanuts, I could empathize right. with every one of those characters, especially Charlie Brown, because I'm everybody has a Charlie Brown day every once in a while. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And that's why that's, and everybody's got a little bit of that pensive kid. Like I feel like Linus is probably the closest to Calvin. Calvin is just Linus with uh, a heck of a lot of Mountain Dew in him. I would say that Snoopy is the closest thing to Calvin. Uh, for the imagination, yes, but for the pensiveness, I think Linus. Sure. Calvin's a combination of Linus. Just look, I, again, I love Calvin and Hobbes, but as we're <laughs> getting into this more and more, the fact that I, we're identifying Calvin by two Peanuts characters should say a little something. Yeah. Look, I think that, I think that Calvin is, is the kid a lot of us want to be and Charlie Brown is the kid a lot of us are. Amen to that. There's something magical about that kid who is the kid that we all were surviving as long as he has and still going up there and kicking that football, even though he's pretty sure Lucy's going to pull it away. So are we ready to call this? I feel like we are. Can we play the music underneath while you give our verdict? We absolutely can not because there are rights issues, but... <laughs> You all know the theme song. I'll just do it underneath, and I'll change a few notes. Okay, that'll be so, good. Okay, here we go. Are you ready? I'm ready. Do 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 do
people of the world. You read your Sunday comics. You read your daily comics. But I want you to know this is only one comic that is the best comic. And that is the comic written by Mr. Charles Schultz out of Minneapolis, St. Paul, Minnesota. About a boy and his dog. Their giant round heads filling every frame. A little girl who's a psychiatrist that only costs five cents per session. And her younger brother who clings to his blanket. The way many of us cling to our fears and the things that comfort us. A young piano prodigy named Schroeder. And a small bird who only speaks in vertical slashes. I don't know what that's about, but it makes sense, doesn't it? And that's because Peanuts is the best comic strip that there is. Maybe the best that there ever will be. Good luck, everybody. Come try and take down Peanuts. Because Snoopy's waiting for you in his sop with camel. And he's going to shoot you down. <laughs> Behind enemy lines. He will oh. shoot you down. Peanuts. I feel good about our decision here. I do, too. Yeah. I do, too. That was, You know, my immediate gut reaction when I saw that was, oh, it's Peanuts. But I'm glad that we took the time to talk through it. So that we knew how right we were. We are right. And we're right about every topic we discuss, Hal. Yeah. And are there more topics to discuss? There are so many more. And we want to hear from you about the topics that you want us to settle for you once and for all. So why don't you find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash we got this podcast or email us at we got this podcast at gmail.com or find us on the Maximum Fun subreddit. Or reach out to us on Twitter at We Got This Tweets, which is the one that I always say when we do the outro because I don't remember any of the other ones. <laughs> and not willing to learn either. No. You always say them. You're a smart guy. I know you can learn it, but you've chosen not to. Maybe you've Tom Sawyer'd me into just saying more stuff at the end. Yep, whitewash this fence. Thanks, as always, to our amazing musicians, Mike Furman and Jonathan Dinerstein, for our song and our score, respectively. Thank you to producer Ken Plume for the mixing, mastering, and processing of our voices, and to graphic designer Uri Kelman for our awesome logo. And thank you, as always, to you, our listeners. Thank you so much. We're having a great time doing this. It started as an excuse for Hal and I to just BS with each other, and you guys listened, and we're going to keep making them. So thank you, thank you. For Mark Gagliardi, I'm Hal Lublin. For Hal Lublin, I'm Mark Gagliardi. And don't worry, everyone. We, we got, got this. this. We got this. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.